did you learn any like motivational kind of things from Michael Corleone about the lifestyle? Oh yeah, I mean I love the quote, "Never let anyone know what you're thinking." Of course, so because that will be used against you. I think it's, you know, I think the <laughs> lessons I get from the Godfather is that you could really only trust yourself. Wow. In that, you know, no matter how close someone might be to you, they still might betray you. Wow. And the, and the people that you love most. You're probably hurt anyways. Holy shit. We could do dude. top five <laughs> movies for men. Because this yeah. one is, <laughs> this, I like I like that. <laughs> this one's a fellows only. Yeah. Like look, if you're like there have been so many think hey, pieces if, written if about you're abroad, stop listening. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I learned is that maybe the um Brando, he was a little too benevolent. Mm. And I, I might need to be more like Michael Corleone okay. to run okay. the Empire like I want to. I think I gotta be more like Vinny. Part yeah. three, man. Take True. over the family. Fuck your cousin. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you mean? Keep it in the family. <laughs> yeah. We want to keep it in the family. <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> the Godfather. Uh, based on a book by Mario Puzo. <laughs> Isn't it pussy or something? <laughs> Mario pussy. Isn't it? No. <laughs> I had nothing. nothing. Our guest had to make sure that Mario Puzo's name was not. No, no, no. I fucked. Uh, All right, sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay. I think that's a great introduction too. Well, we would like to welcome a guest to the extended clip after hours feed. This twenty fifth episode of the after hours feed. Uh, Friend of the pod, Rob Franco, is back. Hello, and Rob, you love the Godfather, right? Yeah. Okay. That's all we had to ask. <laughs> That's all we really wanted. Well, it sounded to like you were going further with that, right? <laughs> no, no, just, just check, a little, little, little tune-up. I just wanted to in. make sure. We hadn't really talked about it. I just wanted to make sure before we do the podcast that you love The Godfather. Yes, I do. You okay. were like a big Godfather boy, though, right? Aren't you? Is that um, is this a, an assumption? Uh, suffice end? it to say... Uh, you know, in the Jewish community, when you turn 13, you have a uh, bar mitzvah. And uh, suffice it to say, the theme of my bar mitzvah party was the Godfather. Oh, wow. my goodness. <laughs> uh, so the tables, was it like, was were some people sitting at the sunny table? No, <laughs> no, it was, it was just like, it was like in like a train station. It was okay. like, it was, <laughs> yeah, very, very... Uh, the train station, very interesting choice there. But the images of trains in The Godfather, it is a recurring image that is very powerful, if even un- understated, kind of. Uh, but we'll, we'll get to all the methods of transport yeah. that are taken over this great trilogy. <laughs> uh, I mean, the reason that we're talking about this is the third one. That was our main topic for this. But uh, I feel like it's appropriate to talk about all these movies. Malcolm. Uh, I, I joked about the inspirational, uh, the motivational lifestyle, mm-hmm. but th- this was a blind spot for you. The, yeah. uh, and it is always kind of weird, right? Dude, checking out these films that are like beloved and hailed as like literally the peak of the medium. And it's like, I, I've been watching movies for a few years. I, I know what, what the peak of the medium is supposed to look yeah. like. Uh, all right, let, let me have it, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> I think as, as like, you know, when I first started, you know, getting into movies, I, I avoided some you know big canon maybe even some that were coded as you know bro or whatever stuff like maybe like pulp fiction godfather i think godfather movies are much better than uh mm-hmm. pulp fiction but i mean i think they lived up to the hype i i think i like two a considerable more amount than one but i think they're both great movies and for sure and I, I, they, they definitely floored me they lived up to the hype. I, you know and i i feel like um 
I don't know. I feel like I, I appreciate them more now because I waited a little bit. Maybe I didn't need to wait this long, but I don't know if I would have, uh, like if I'm watching this at 13, I probably would have liked it, but maybe, I don't know. Maybe I feel like I'm getting more out of it now. Pretty violent movie for a 13 year old to be obsessed with to the point of the theme of his party. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was watching not to see, this sounds like I'm trying to be cool, but it's like, I was watching like, I was watching like horror fucked oh. up movie like i'm watching like solo i was like changing 13. the channel yeah. from family guy when my mom walked in i see i was doing both okay. <laughs> <laughs> you were changing the channel from solo to sports center when your mom walked in <laughs> it was just on tv i decided to give it a watch <laughs> sorry change the input <laughs> uh jt you'd seen these movies but what a long time ago yeah like I don't know. When I was in like middle school or high school, first getting into movies, it's just like, I don't know, you work your way through the canon mm-hmm. to some extent. And I had like more or less like forgotten them. Like, I was like, oh, those are good movies. But like, I don't know. There was no need for me to revisit them yeah. prior to. But like, this time around, it was like just three days back to back doing one Godfather movie each day. It was beautiful. When the yeah. cannon hits, it's this like you just it washes yeah. over you. Oh, it's yeah. you just nodding your head and you know thousands of other men are nodding their <laughs> heads with you. It's like, yes, boys. Hell this yeah. one's for us. Letting for the it lads. wash over you is a good way to describe it too, because these are like really lengthy films that allow you to kind of luxuriate in them as well. And it's like if you're on board with the aesthetic approach, especially in these deep browns uh, in Willis's cinematography, then it is easy to just like bathe in these images and let these like grandiose but still very restrained performances guide you through this epic story. Um, I mean, Rob, I want to get back to the Godfather yeah. bar mitzvah. <laughs> yeah. Was there any other kind of gimmicky stuff at no, the party? No, not not really. But it was like the 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 location was like kind of this old timey looking fucking yeah. train station. Yeah, it very much had a vibe. It, it was very lo- like it was more for me, like knowing mm-hmm. it was Godfather theme. But nice. that, that that was really it. You yeah. guys eat spaghetti and meatballs or something like that? Something no, fun? No. <laughs> <laughs> Did so, any other kids come up to you at your bar mitzvah and ask you for favors? <laughs> I, I can't talk about that yeah <laughs> it'd be funny if like in part two uh when the drunk guy it's frankie right yeah frank goes, pantangeli yeah when he goes up onto the stage and he's like yeah. mad at people. <laughs> that'd be funny if he did that to like a bar mitzvah dj like, <laughs> what is this cha-cha slide <laughs> 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 That scene no. is so great. It's so too. great. It's yeah. just like you you can't have Fight the old all. days anymore. There yeah. it's going to be a, a fucking you know Nevada bandstand that doesn't know how to swing their notes, you know, and it's going to play <laughs> uh, Pop boss. Goes the Weasel when they try to play and the Italian. family boss is doing business with a Jew. Oh my god. <laughs> that I that is like one I... of my, my favorite my favorite uh lines. He goes he goes he goes, "Come on, Frankie, you know my my father uh uh, respected Hyman Roth, and he goes, "Your father respected Hyman Roth. Your father did business with Hyman Roth, but he never trusted him." <laughs> and then he goes, "He goes, you'd rather do business with a Jew before your own blood." <laughs> uh, that's what I love that line. That's so funny. Uh, I, I just love all of the in in the Godfather. Any time they fucking make any like slight 
at the Jewish people, I'm just like, yes. It's so easy to luxuriate it. It's yeah, like, yeah. oh, that's us. That's us. Yeah, like in, in I the feel fr- like Hyman <laughs> Roth. Also, every time I, I, uh, every time I try to say Hyman Roth, I actually say Heim Saban. Uh, which <laughs> hey, is hey, maybe there's a connection. Exactly. There. Yeah. Uh, but Hyman Roth, what a great character, <laughs> looking like Frederick Wiseman, kind of, <laughs> yeah. or Pablo Picasso, or Pablo true. Picasso. Yeah, that is very true. But that's Godfather too. The first one yeah. is crazy because the, the second one it has this intercutting structure. Uh, the first one though tells this long grandiose story and the passing of the torch and you know it's like a micro or a meta story within it even like the story of acting on film almost like brando breaking that classical mold and then passing the torch to people like pacino who will take it even further in the new hollywood era and the style of acting in american cinema moving forward with him and de niro in part two and then you see how pacino acts in part three and how that's a 90s pacino performance you know it's more restrained than something like heat or a scent of a woman but it is still through and through a 90s Pacino performance and I think that meta story of like American acting on screen through these three movies is really fascinating as well no that's something I, I really took to you know being this the first time I've watched these is how restrained Pacino is in the first and second one you know being used to seeing him be you know rather explosive but it, it like literally by two he's walking around like a goddamn vampire yeah. most of the time <laughs> and it's like you know, this is kind of a hack point, but I kind of, it, ma- it made me think about this hack point even more. Where, you know, of course people say, um, you know, accuse, you know, gangster movies of being like endorsements of the lifestyle, right? And a bunch of people have pointed out, of course that's bullshit, you know, Scorsese's movies don't do that or whatever. Now watching The Godfather, I wasn't expecting of an endorsement of the lifestyle, but I was like... Well, this is the most popular crime movie of all time. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe this is where people kind of get that from. And I mean, this goes down. This is more, in, you know, um, indicted of, you know, that behavior than a lot of Scorsese movies. So it's yeah. like, has any gangster movie ever endorsed the lifestyle ever? Not really. It's <laughs> yeah. only like the the Scorsese exploitation ones. Like yeah. the, the, or rather, Soprano exploitation is a better phrase because most of the borrow Sopranos actors for mm-hmm. straight to VOD awful italian crime movies that definitely don't have any sort of moral compass yeah yeah i guess yeah those there are those yeah, but the canonical of... ones no like even you know scarface obviously it's fucking oliver stone writing that screenplay and De Palma directing it obviously like yeah. there is an incisive commentary in that yeah i think maybe maybe some of these you know to, to connect the male soul the yeah. instagram motivation page love for this movie <laughs> so maybe sometimes people are just like Flipping around, watch like 30 minutes of it, see Brando yeah. be the man. It's like, hell yeah, that's what it's all about. Exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, what's really funny in terms of motivation and The Godfather, uh, which I, I'd like to stick with the first one for a little bit if sure. we could, because even though I haven't watched it in a couple of years, it sticks with my memory quite well. And I want to talk about James Caan, but uh, before game seven of an NBA finals a few years back, maybe six or seven years back during that Warriors heat run, LeBron said he was up all night watching the Godfather. <laughs> Hell yeah. G it's shit. Like, what does that have to do with that at all? Like he's reluctant see, to play. See, with I disagree heat, to, like... to me that I get it. Okay. <laughs> that is like, that's all you need to know. He's just doing G shit. Okay. <laughs> he's, just, he's just studying. He's he's trying to be the Don, and he, you know, 
if he's, he was learning about respect. Exactly. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Motivate. Exactly. You know, maybe some other players aren't given their fair due. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. The respect economy. He seems like kind of. He's like he's like <laughs> posting wine glasses on his you know Instagram. Maybe he's yeah. like on that Italian exactly. mafioso. He's just tip. into the aesthetic. You know. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's. I feel like that's. Uh, I think that's a lot of the appeal of the first Godfather is kind of just how like like the the images are very like well crafted and like the color yeah. tones are very like you've said luxuriated I'll say it again very luxurious like color tones and I feel like maybe more so than any of the other godfathers you kind of get to soak in you know the style all the silk suits and yeah. the way they dress and you know code and stuff like that all that stuff's explored to you know very fun and interesting answer. I mean I think that's one of the successes of like the Godfather series and I mean to, like also to expand out like other mob movies that like they're like subtle to a degree where it's just like you can be a dope and watch it and mm -hmm. just be like <laughs> and like entertained and mm -hmm. take away like no meaning whatsoever. I think being able to enjoy it on purely a visual level mm -hmm. not getting anything of it like I don't know. That's a testament to how well-crafted it is. Of course. And Malcolm, you were saying that the first one, you could luxuriate in the images more so. I, I agree with that. And it feels like like the camera movement in the first one, the images are so like dense and detailed yeah. that it feels like the camera must weigh a thousand pounds to push it. You know, like it's one of those things where the images feel so delicate that it's almost like you're breaking them by moving the camera. Uh, and all, all of them feel like he's taking inspiration from painting uh, more than almost like more than literature. He's taking inspiration from painting in these movies. Uh, and the first one definitely has that feeling, maybe the most of the three. Oh, really? I, I mean, I think three, yeah. the, the long shots in three in particular, uh, but there are a lot of, and we'll talk about it, in three yeah. there's a lot of conversations that are just in shot, reverse shot, that are like more plain than the rest of the series. And I think he does a great job at shooting those singles and getting the great expressive takes from, you know, whether it's Pacino or Diane Keaton. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think the first two really lean into that painterly style. But yeah, the third one, the wide shots in the third one are very yeah. painterly mm -hmm. for sure. I mean, I think thinking of just like imagery, you know, comparing and contrasting the first one, I feel like the, the structure of the first one, it's a little bit, more loose although it's just kind of trying to you know introduce you to all the mechanisms of this family whereas like the cross-cutting in the second one yeah these images become much more incisive and kind of like they look good but it's like that's almost kind of what's oppressive about these images or just not oppressive but just like what really strikes home kind of the preciseness of them especially towards the back half of part two i would say yeah and you talk about the inner cutting structure it's crazy because the first one like you have this wedding up top and it's mm -hmm. like a set piece with many set pieces into itself, whether it's the exterior stuff and Michael Corleone uh, coming in and, you know, seeing family and uh, the people waiting to see the dawn uh, and everything like that. And that's maybe the first 30 to 40 minutes of the film, much like the third uh, installment. Uh, and then people talk, you know, and they rightfully talk up a sequence at the climax of the Godfather, the baptism that's intercut mm -hmm. with the heads of each family being taken out. Mm -hmm. uh, 
But the second one is like the whole movie is like that sequence. The yeah. whole movie relies on intercutting and it's doing it on this grand scale, uh, like a f- no film I've ever seen. Like it's strictly, not strictly, it's basically D.W. Griffith level, like <laughs> intercutting as a basis of cinema. Uh, and it's for an entire three hours and 20 minutes. And I think he pulls off a miracle in that movie for sure. Um, have you ever seen the Godfather epic? I've, I've like seen parts. I didn't make it through the the whole nine hours. The worst fucking thing ever. I I realize like, (laughs) what is the point of watching that middle three and a half hours if it's not intercut? Like it it ruins the, it ruins the whole point. Yeah. It's the dynamic. You you know what it is? Yeah. It's like the, it's the thing they edited together to make. Chronological. Yeah, chronological. Yeah. If it was just the three movies edited together or something, which wouldn't make sense either, uh, that would just be putting a VLC playlist together. Yeah. (laughs) Three files. Uh, That would make more sense because the intercutting of the second movie ties everything together and it, like, you know, uh, I, I'm trying to visualize the structure and I'm thinking of the tenant gesture <laughs> because it goes both ways from the third one moving forward, wow. but the second one still moves back wow. all the way and kind of loops it all together. The second one, man, oh my God, Pacino just just a little bit showcasing like uh, or even teasing at what will become his performance style. You know, he's just a tad bit more explosive than the first one, but it's still very restrained. And then in an ultimate trade of cinema like do you do you take brando or Pachi- or sorry brando or de niro uh, as vito corleone i mean de niro just amazing you know so good. wordless for so much of it uh silent because he grew up as an orphan <laughs> like uh you know did didn't get a great education but you know he moved in silence like a real g <laughs> <laughs> there you go no, I think, yeah, two, I mean, I, I love both performances, but I, I feel like I just have, like, I think two just hit me so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And kind of, because, like, I feel like um, two kind of comes to a conclusion of, like, Michael Corleone's character, and it's kind of laying it out to you in, like, very blunt terms, whereas kind of like the, you know, the baptism scene at the end, it's kind of shows you what he's willing to do, mm-hmm. you know, not, you know, but it's kind of, you know, frames it as not necessarily a good thing, whereas the second one is very like directly telling you looking into the pain of yeah. Michael Corleone. And so like contrast that contrast that with uh De Niro playing such a, you know, a sprightly young Vito is just like, I don't know. The performance just feels much more impact impactful to me. Mm-hmm. I love uh, De Niro as Vito's rise. Uh, like that scene of him tracking Don Finucci and by so the way, good. Don Finucci with one of the most like foppish but still absolute G performances of all time, <laughs> uh, doing the hand gesture better than anyone in history probably when he's walking through the little Italy streets and just putting his hand up to his face like that to <laughs> greet people. One of the great gestures in cinema, Don Finucci there before he gets taken out. <laughs> and De Niro's assassination there is just so incredible. The way that it's like, He's stalking him, learning how to be a Don, and then killing the Don to assume the position. Uh, just incredible. I, I, I like. I can only describe it in like superlative. Say it's the best or it's great because yeah. it really like. There's really no no adjectives that are proper for it. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of hard to talk about a film yeah. like this because it's just like, what can you say other than, oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, when he did the thing, yeah. that was so cool when he whacked those guys, you know. <laughs> um, 
the old towel towel silencer <laughs> that just catches on fire. Do you, oh, do you, I love do, that. Yeah, it's great. Do, does anyone know if that would happen? I feel like it would. With I, the gunpowder and yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool. Let's try it out. Yeah, let's try <laughs> it out. <laughs> anyone, any Patreon <laughs> viewers want to volunteer? Anyone want to ship? We just need two packages delivered to my doorstep. We need one towel and one gun with ammunition. I got I got you, bro. Address, Come one, to the crib. One, eight, four, <laughs> two. Uh, <laughs> We're doing Godfather shit all day yeah, where yeah. I live. Hell yeah. Um... <laughs> Who is if you have to pick one? Who's your favorite performance of the first two movies? Come on, you know it's Al Pacino, yeah, of course, all the yeah. way through, of course, or in one or two. Uh, his performance in two is better, yeah. But I I do think it, it really bothers me. As great as Brando is in the first one, he should have been best supporting actor, oh Not yeah, best mm-hmm. actor, best supporting. He's only in the movie for like. An hour. Uh, yeah, not not long. Yeah. But, and, and he's like half dead for most of it. Exactly. And like, yeah. uh, it's the presence, though. The presence feels like a lead performance. It's, it, oh, yeah. uh, it's he's the totally. titular Godfather. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, such a stylized performance, too, yeah. which I was what I think is like. I mean, you know about him literally stuffing his mouth. Yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. I've heard some funny things yeah. about his Insane. time on this like, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I love it. It's just like a tour, de, not even a tour de force. It's just an experimentation from him. That's, that's, yeah. what, that's what I was kind of taken aback by the performance because, like, I don't know, Brando, big name, Godfather, big movie. I think it's a great performance, but it's not like kind of like the grand commandment yeah. performance that maybe the poster sells it as. It's yeah. kind of it's kind of a like there's a little bit of goofiness to it. You yeah, know exactly. I mean? Everyone and, has a little goofiness to that. I yeah, think the yeah. most like strictly alpha domineering performance in the first one might even be James Caan. No way. Like, not, Come on, Caan's kind of goofy. He's, he's goofy as hell. Extremely he's goofy yeah. as hell, but he is not decrepit. Although he does die. He's not mm-hmm. decrepit. Dies like a dog. Yeah, he does die like a <laughs> dies like a dog. But he's not decrepit. Uh, he's not Fredo. <laughs> we'll yeah, say I mean, that. he's the most consistently uh, poor, poor masked. Fredo. Yeah, he's poor Fredo. Yeah, and like Pacino is so reserved, and then just ascends into Godfather mode. Uh, I think Khan's performance, I think, is the most, as you said, mask. Like yeah. he, he's wearing the mask of masculinity <laughs> more hardcore than any of those characters, almost. Yeah. Uh, which is what I mean by raw alpha. Yeah, uh, not in sure. terms no, of I, I get what you're not saying. in terms of brain alpha. Yeah, <laughs> not goofy. using the term sincerely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I do kind of wish uh, his son was played by Scott Khan. That would have been hilarious. Yeah. It would have been a bad performance, but it would have been hilarious. <laughs> you know, I just I thought of this right now. Um, you know that scene where Michael comes out from the bathroom, kills McCluskey, and yeah. that other guy. Oh, Great scene. Yeah. It's me, but I, I'm I'm at French Laundry and I kill Gavin Newsom <laughs> for not wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> Making threats at government. Uh, no, it is, no, that was the threat. It's a hypothetical. Yeah, if I were to make a movie, maybe that's how that <laughs> yeah. scene would go. <laughs> Fake guns, fake yeah. bullets, everything. Yeah, Godfather 2020. Just Godfather. thinking. <laughs> I... <laughs> Godfather 2020 is right. <laughs> oh, oh, man. <laughs> um, yeah, what about I mean, you, Eddie? Who would you shoot in the b- <laughs> after coming out of the bathroom? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I think my favorite performance, though, is probably Pacino, obviously. <laughs> That's not what I asked. I know. But, I know. Um, <laughs> it sounded like you were returning my question. No, no, well. yeah. Um, yeah. No, no. Uh, <laughs> Just bounce passing back and forth yeah. exactly. five feet away. Exactly. <laughs> um, Pacino's your favorite. Yeah, but I, I think 
De Niro in part two it, is right it, up there for me. It might be my absolutely. favorite. And I think it's just like, I don't know. There's so much. I, I think it's his most expressive with doing the least. And it's funny yeah. that he was that expressive that early in his career, but it's like, you watch the really early stuff, the early De Palma stuff, and he's already a fucking king, you know? Uh, so it's no surprise that he has that masterful performance in him that early. Yeah, well, well, the thing about De Niro is, like, now when we talk about him, we everyone does that face, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, like, in terms of his actual, like, face, he's not doing that, the De Niro face, and he's doing the most acting with his face oh, absolutely. of his entire career without yeah. doing, like, the classic... <laughs> uh, JT, do you have a favorite, or, or uh, maybe even a favorite character? Anyone you want to shout out from the Godfather trilogy? I, I just want to give all their characters their due. You know, um, everyone deserves their day in court, as it were. <laughs> well, I was gonna fall back on the Pacino performance again and say yeah. that was like consistently, like in one and two, my favorite, just because it's like such a powerful transition to make that just is like as slick and smooth as butter. He just like, like, I don't know, seeing like, you know, I mean, obviously from having seen this before, what's going to happen and like that it's pretty orchestrated, but just how slickly all the pieces fall into place is really impressive. And then you sort of have in the second one, like just watching him, Reap what he's sown is exactly. uh, very fun. I think Duval is a kind of he's a great, great oh, quiet, yeah. great Absolutely. performance. That was my movies. entrance point, which is hilarious. When I first watched these movies, I was like, all right, he's got the right idea. I could marry into the mob. <laughs> uh, not to get ahead of ourselves with the Jonathan Demi film, Married to the Mob. But uh, I, could, I could go Duval mode. I could marry an Italian woman and start, you know, once in a while throwing some Italian phrases around. No, Duval is such like a great, I mean, it's a great performance, but also his like uh the presence of his characters just yeah. used in a great way where it's like this person who's just always going to be on the outside yeah. no matter what and kind of just hovers around kind of always knowing that in the back of his mind kind of pr- produces this kind of like a very uh, muted and sad performance from him that I think is like very vital to like the tone of the movie. Yeah. Well, well one of the, the most brutal moments of this film aside from uh, Michael killing his brother, spoiler alert, <laughs> um, <laughs> It would have to be like toward the end uh, when he's talking with Tom and he's eating that orange in the weirdest way of all time. Um, And Mike, like Michael is just not getting the answers he wants out of Tom. And he goes, "Uh, are you going to come with me on these things I have to do? Because if not, you could take your wife, your child and your mistress and go to Las Vegas. And, (laughs) And then, and Tom just goes, why do you hurt me like this? <laughs> I've always been loyal to you. It's like, damn, Michael is just yeah. cutting all fucking ties. It's like, you're either with me, bitch, or not. Yeah. No, I think when Pacino, because like he, like uh, you know, Corleone, Michael, he seems to like carry himself with like a you know, not be explosive. He wants yeah. to be, uh, you know, seemingly normal. But when he does go for those like kind of snips at people, yeah. it's yeah. like it's always the most devastating. You know, one. Yeah. From him. Exactly. Yeah. Well, he's been building that insult for weeks, months, or years yeah. to say to that person, probably. Yeah. I mean, it's all in the eyes when fucking Kay tells him. Oh, was my an God. Abortion. Yeah. Just, oh. That is like the scariest look of yeah. all time. 
Oh my God. I mean, we should talk about that. And we should talk about Kay, uh, Diane Keaton's performance here. It's really fantastic. And it's like definitely the short end of the stick dramatically for her character, but to a point, obviously, of how exclusively male this whole milieu is and how these men treat their wives generally. Uh, You know, we don't really see her. It's not like uh, the other guys who are, you know, flaunting around mistresses. It's not like Sopranos level uh, wife cheat but the the wives definitely get the short end of the stick in this one uh but diane keaton is able to play that so well dramatically especially in her climactic scene in number two where she tells michael that it wasn't a miscarriage that she purposely killed her uh upcoming her forthcoming baby because she couldn't stand to make another sicilian male uh (laughs) Which is just like one of the most devastating, melodramatic, really like operatic plot points in this whole series, which like kind of hints toward the opera of the third one. And of course, the, the what happens on those steps at the end, uh, wrapping up this trilogy. Uh, I, I think her performance there is wonderful and like as big of a melodramatic scene as you get in the whole second movie pretty much and she plays it to a t perf i mean for me that speaks to like i mean malcolm you mentioned the whole male soul uh male mindset like reading of it and with the second one i was just like thinking to myself many times and laughing like how you (laughs) could like leave like this movie where it's just like i mean i think that like the misinterpretation goes along really well with the critique of capitalism. That's like pretty upfront. I mean, throughout the trilogy, but in the second, like him explicitly, like talk, having the discourse with the politician and being like, Oh, we're the same. Like that's pretty on the nose and upfront, yeah. but that like, the male soul hustle capitalist mindset is so ingrained to people that you can see this movie where a man's wife had an abortion (laughs) to not have another one of him and that he is just sort of left alone and killed his own brother and you're still in that mindset of like well it's like they betrayed him he's all about that hustle yeah also maybe this is might be going on a limb but it's also it's like maybe people attach to this because like their own lives are very hollow and sad but like they are they're still attaining to that hustle mindset because that's all they got so when they see someone else in that situation they're like hell yeah that guy's the man (laughs) (laughs) you know what also just occurred to me it's very funny that this is like the bro movie especially when like the character of uh Don Corleone Vito, it's based on Mario Puzo's mother. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, That's no, hilarious. no. Coppola will, like, in every interview he's ever yeah. done, he's like, yeah, it's based on his mom. Yeah. Like, she That's was hilarious. the Don. Yeah. And it's funny it's just that, like, like, Lex G rolling pin woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Shout out to Lex G. <laughs> did did uh, Puzo have mob ties, or was he just a fan? No, no. Just he, a fan. He was, he was just fucking, he was just an American Italian like fucking piece didn't speak a <laughs> it didn't speak any italian that type of a dude yeah, yeah. um like awesome. in fact did, did you guys see like the recent coppola interview no I something did not. i learned he was like yeah any real fucking italian will tell you they wouldn't call him don corleone they'd call him don Vito. like they're like yeah. little they're these little things where it's like yeah mario puzo's an italian but he's like i mean 
Well, the he thing doesn't is, know like he's not a real not, gangster. Coppola yeah. had foresight there because yeah. you can't call him Don Vito because of Viva La Bam. <laughs> <laughs> Don, Don Vito. He saw into yeah. the future. He saw he saw what Don Vito did. He saw those sins. Yeah. He, he's not gonna. He's, you he know, God's does not, not forgive get those. forgiven. No, yeah. no, 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 no redemption for Don Vito. R.I.P. For that Don Vito. <laughs> this film condones the actions of Michael Corleone, but not Don Vito from Viva La Bam. <laughs> Absolutely. Bam's a powerful force. You don't want to mess with him. <laughs> Let's talk about Michael, though. Where do you guys stand in, in terms of... Because I've seen a lot of people call him the villain yeah. of the film, which I don't agree with. I never have. Well, I think the whole... like. I was going to say back hour of it pretty much is the, the hour leading up to him killing basically from, I knew it was you to him killing Fredo is him reckoning with this. Like how much does one life, the life that came from the same parents of me mean versus keeping this family going, this tradition and moving toward legitimacy, you know? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's, I think it is like, you know, uh, if you're going logically, obviously he makes a bad decision. You know, he kills his fucking brother. Yeah, but you got to uh, think about mob yeah. mob style, baby. Or logically, if you're a facts and logic capitalist, he killed off a weak asset. But I also, in relation to that, John Cazale is Fredo, one of the most like vulnerable performances oh, in this whole series. And it's so devastating to see him die after he was going to teach uh, little, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Anthony. A- little Anthony had a, a Anthony's fine! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, do, do you think Michael Corleone's a good guy or a no, bad well, guy? <laughs> here's the thing. I think this is literally like a semantics issue. Yeah, yeah for sure. He's, he's an anti-hero. Yeah, Like, exactly. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. the stuff he does is villainous. And if that's what those people are trying to say through that, and it's like, yeah, Michael Corleone, not a great guy <laughs> yeah. but it's like yeah he's the anti he's the he's how we kind of process the movie he's, I mm-hmm. mean yeah come on go to school yeah. <laughs> <laughs> learn how to identify with characters yeah. if, you're, if you're not smart don't post anything <laughs> just shut up wow Malcolm <laughs> bringing it to the to the tweets <laughs> no, yeah. um, you, you know one of the most uh, devastating moments of Godfather 2 is when Michael f- first figures out that Fredo is the rat because uh, earlier when he sees Fredo and introduces him to Johnny Ola, the Sicilian messenger boy of yeah. uh, Hyman Roth, uh, <laughs> they pretend like they don't know each other. And then when they're in the, the weird sex club in Cuba where the guy has got the big cock yeah. and he's like doing all sorts of oh, shit yeah, with Johnny it. Ola, show me this yeah, place. exactly. <laughs> and and dumbass. He goes, old man Roth would never go to these places, but old, old Johnny knows these places like the back of his hand. <laughs> and then you just see Michael just sort of slump over. He's got the cigarette, yeah. and he just starts weeping. Yeah. And he's oh, like, oh, yeah. I got to do it. immediately puts it together. It's, yeah. it's like... That is uh, acting does not get better. Than yeah, that. It's but just, also just the loudmouth dumbassery. Oh of my god, <laughs> so good! It's like uh, so these good. guys are kind of just buffoons. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it reminded me of Paulie in The Sopranos more than anything. Time, the yeah. way he talks about that, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like how that scene kind of informs kind of one of like the final conclusion, where like you have that scene where um, everyone's singing "Happy Birthday" to Don Corleone and. Um, and Michael's just in the room by himself. Yeah. Kind of like, I mean, amazing, amazing, oh, obviously. Nice. But it's like, it, it is like, 
I do like Corleone, Michael Corleone, as like this guy who never quite felt like he was always struggling for his place in the family. He wanted to be college guy and he goes to war he's he's trying to figure out his very confusing notably the only person who congratulated him for joining the army fredo fredo yeah 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 and that's uh i mean yeah that's it's played to great dramatic effect (laughs) yeah but it's um what a picture i love i love i i mean i just love that that's kind of like the note movie kind of ends on just corleone corleone alone yeah like it, it is like just how uh it becomes more and more alone as yeah. uh, the movie progresses. I love how you get Sonny in that flashback. Just like, what do you do? Fight someone else's war? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 Country ain't your blood. You remember that? <laughs> that roar. Yeah, Sonny. Sonny's the man because, like, you don't, you don't. He, he's not um, around long enough to where you see him do a lot of bad stuff. So you just kind of know him as. Yeah. yeah, it's just uh, I'm fucking whores here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the the one of the greatest lines in that scene is uh he uh Sonny goes Sonny says this not me he goes the Japs dropping bombs on Pop's birthday and then <laughs> and, and then and then Fredo goes they didn't know it was Pop's birthday <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, and then Sonny goes he, he goes he goes what are you a Jap lover or something he goes yeah. they got no right dropping bombs. <laughs> Oh my god. Um yeah, The Godfather 2 just I mean, come on. What a picture. As I said, the intercutting drives it so I wanted to uh read from a review that discusses the intercutting uh from Neil Bahadur. His god. review uh Vito Corleone I am immigrant child alone with nothing. Cut to Michael Corleone. I run this family like a fucking corporation. <laughs> Cut to Vito Corleone. I'm Vito the hood legend. <laughs> Cut to Michael Corleone. I own stock in IBM. I own stock in AT&T. <laughs> I think that's all you need to know about you know the transition from uh, barbarism to barbaric capitalism <laughs> and uh, the, the the arc of the family here uh, in the, the two intercut stories stories of godfather 2 also yeah the end of it him going back and avenging the murder uh of his mother uh de niro just absolutely so mean the slash across the chest is just one of the ultimate like violent gestures in all of cinema to me absolutely i I absolutely love that so much any final words on the godfather one and two doesn't, it doesn't get much better than that for me. Yeah. For me, I mean, like uh, the you quest, prefer one or two. Uh, to me, they're I can't separate them. Oh, they're okay. like they're one move. One A, one B, pretty much. Because like I don't, I always cringe at the the question like, what is your favorite movie? Because like <laughs> that's probably it's both of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's not why I cringe at the question because it's like. Oh, oh, great! A, a, a white dude. Yeah. His favorite movie is The Godfather. It's mm-hmm. like I know more ab- about film <laughs> oh, than, yeah. than just that. But it's like, like when I track down my like my film, my journey through film, it all like every kind of phase I've ever had, I can track it all back to The Godfather. And it's like really weird. Like like uh, we were watching. Purple Rose of Cairo for the free episode. I was like looking at like Gordon Willis is like oh, Godfather. Of course, like mm-hmm. e- like everything you I can track back to the Godfather. Yeah, uh, all of my interests <laughs> in, in film, you know, it, it, it not all of them, but uh, several like e- 
in everyday life, I'm always just like seeing like a thing. It's like, ah, that informed that like that. (laughs) I get it. Um, so yeah, it's both five, five bullets. (laughs) Oh yeah, yes. we don't even do ratings yeah. on the bonus oh, oh, episodes. Okay. But yeah. it's without being said, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually do like two aside not like yeah. all that much more than one, but I like it more for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think two is like the more quote unquote perfect. Uh just in terms of like the intercutting and also the dissolves that transition yeah. when it's not just a cut from one story oh, to yeah. the other. Uh, when the characters are essentially looking at each other through dissolve. Yeah, if if Just I had beautiful. to choose, if I had to choose one over the other, it would be two. Probably yeah. is mm-hmm. the better I, one. I get like thinking of them as a pair because like two is not as good if you don't have the backstory. Yeah, it's of like course. you couldn't yeah, watch yeah, them yeah, without yeah. the other. But of course, well, at, I did this time. Yeah. but I've seen one. Yeah, but at, at the yeah. same time, I feel like they are like they they do have very different senses of what they're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So. For sure. Yeah. Also, apparently, for when they first uh, were pitching the sequel, Coppola wasn't that interested in doing no, part two. No, he said, get Scorsese. Scorsese. Yeah. He didn't <laughs> want to do it. Well, different. he didn't yeah. want to make the first one. He yeah. hated He hated the whole process and so got crazy. fired like five times yeah. or whatever. Well, weren't they just... I remember hearing this, can't source it, but they're like, well, we just need to find an Italian for this. Yeah. Like for <laughs> the... Prob- for probably. The Puzo, so. Probably. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hey, it clearly was personal with his return with part three. Yeah. Uh, but also to think of like early 70s Scorsese directing this <laughs> would not make sense. No. 90s Scorsese. Not he kind of sounded part. like Scorsese. Would not make sense. That was kind <laughs> of a little. by Jewish Scorsese. Yeah, which exactly. is Woody Allen also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In New York. Uh, <laughs> he, anyway. Yeah, he could pass. Anyway, uh, I mean, hey, the the no the nasal connection is there, uh, as as demonstrated in Casino. <laughs> uh, anyway. anyway, that's that's from a little bit of overuse of the nasal passages. Uh, no, uh, no, you're not joking. You're no, a little, yeah. a little deviated septum from all that that fun. <laughs> but hey, no judgment. No yeah. judgment. Any any final thoughts on the Godfather one and two, JT? Um, yeah, they're. I mean. <laughs> to add on to the just they're both masterpieces, I think that like it's a level of like building a very specific and detailed world that you can extrapolate outward to say like a larger like scale like uh, message. I mean, it's like the epic nature of the film allows it to say so much about like American culture, like immigration being central to America, like the development of like capitalism, like hierarchical structures in the States and like coming over from Europe. It like is a huge film, but it's also like darting off into so many different directions and so many different avenues that you can explore about the picture um, that it's just, I don't know. It's brilliant because you can talk so much about it and like investigate like every little scene and moment so intensely. Um, what I plan on doing was talking about Godfather one and two as like an intro to three, but we already have a full episodes worth on Godfather one and two. So what I'm going to do here is say goodbye to the Patreon. Uh, this was a great episode. Thank you, Rob, for coming on. And what we're going to do is open up another file and record next week's episode on the Godfather 3. Yes. Oh shit. So I get 3 episodes. Rob gets 3 episodes. Damn. And here I thought I thought cuz if you're tuning in and have listened to the the, the eyes wide shut yeah. purple rose, I thought I was this was the last time I was going to get invited back to the studio. <laughs> I, I thought I was having some beef. 
well, with yeah. the boys. Well, here's an even crazier peek behind the curtain. Yeah. Due to some scheduling mishaps and me just coming up with this uh, idea right now, this episode will come out before the Eyes Wide Shut uh, Purple oh, Rose of Cairo shit. episode. Yeah. Okay, so so your little little it's gonna be a little uh, Godfather sandwich. Yeah. Hell you know what yeah. Rob did during the break. He broke bread and he showed showed respect, <laughs> <laughs> and we put it all behind us, and that's why we're having such a pleasant episode. That's now. right. That's right. Dawn's respecting Dawn's. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so next week on the Patreon, we will be talking about The Godfather Part 3, or as the new edition is called, The Godfather Coda, The Death of Michael Corleone. Hell yeah. Uh, So we will see you next week. This is the same priest who like watched the Hangover movies and loved Family Guy and shit like that. <laughs> until they went a little yeah, too far. Yeah, yeah, until they made fun of Mother Teresa. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot about <laughs> that. Yeah, Rob, I don't know if you know about this, but yeah, Malcolm's uh, Malcolm's priest was into Family Guy until they went too far and made fun of Mother Teresa. That's so awesome. Yeah, he wa- like literally only watches like lowbrow comedy. Cool priest. <laughs> like, cool priest. I've heard of John Ford's Judge Priest, but cool priest. <laughs> cool priest. Uh, Judge Priest was actually there was a poster of it in Purple Rose of Cairo. Did, really? Did you, you no. any of you see uh-uh. that? It was partially hidden. It looked like Judge Priest, but oh, uh, it was a Judge Priest poster. You could see Will Rogers' face sticking out Will of that Rogers, a little bit. Uh, yeah, I need to class, get into Will Rogers. He's a Rogers. classic man. He yeah, is, yeah. You know, I watched Steamboat Round the Bend. Uh, I guess a few weeks ago now, but he is still the classic man of the pot. Like he is the Jidenna of the week for the last three weeks. Will Rogers. Yeah. Absolute classic man. He's a classic man in judge priest. I mean, I don't even know what other adjective I could describe him with. Classic man. <laughs> Jidenna style. Wait, but I'm kind of, co- so your priest convinced your family that you shouldn't get confirmed. Basically, it was it, it kind of happened naturally. It wasn't like a. So he's not in the pockets of big confirmation. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> he's also definitely gay. He's definitely gay. That's just the theory. My okay. whole family has. He's not so cool. I mean, I could get into this. There's a. I could get into some darker stuff too. Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> this is turning into a dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I said, you know, let's just talk extended about our real clip lives. after hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> extended clip after hours talking about our real life. Uh, we talked about real fam- life by Albert Brooks, but uh, what about Malcolm's real life? <laughs> my family's criminal past. Nah, don't look into it. Yeah. Oh. Because oh. <laughs> you won't find anything. Wow. <laughs> my family doesn't really have a criminal past, unfortunately. That would be cool if we did. Yeah. But we don't. My great, great great maybe even one more generation after that grandpa on my dad's side um basically was like ostracized from his community in germany for marrying an indian woman and so they moved to chile and that's when my dad's side of the family started living in chile and like Uh 
I think like around World War One, maybe, maybe in between the two. There was a pretty bad time in Germany between there. <laughs> that that would make sense. I, I think my mom has a cousin who committed an act of terrorism. Damn, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, he that's did sick. a bomb. He did for a what bomb. cause? Well, yeah, I was going to say. Depends. I depends. I totally I I'm blanking, but yeah, yeah, he's in jail well, at least forever. He's, at least he's like, and his name is Robert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, at least he's putting his money where his mouth is on yeah. like, some of these Twitter activists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Go more, bomb a building. If more, if more Twitter leftists were committing acts of terrorism, I would, maybe yeah, I'd be inclined to listen the to enterprise. them. We'd yeah. all have health care. <laughs> and a billion followers. Yeah. Everybody eats. Everybody <laughs> eats. Obama post office. Yeah. <laughs> I guess technically the people that ran a local Hebrew school convinced my family not to get me a bar mitzvah because they told my mom how much Hebrew school cost. And it was uh, like, oh, yeah. That's not wait, you didn't idea. have a bar mitzvah? No, no, oh. no, no, no. I'm, uh, He's American. Yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> I, yeah, I had the other ceremony I can show you, but uh, I, I didn't have the uh, becoming a band one. Hey, <laughs> which is fine i you know i i back then i would have said i'm not doing that i'm an atheist yeah. <laughs> what, what get your prick cut oh yeah exactly. <laughs> little me little as a, baby a one week year old yeah. baby i'm an atheist <laughs> a circumcision wanna... uh, uh, activist yeah, i will exactly. say yeah. that is like the, the funniest middle, that middle is like the, <laughs> that is the funniest like new leftist like thing that they get pissed about is circumcision it's like wait they get pissed about people oh, yeah. doing it like yeah 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 male cool. mutilation yeah yeah Oh, I mean, man, mutilation. I've I've seen <laughs> I've seen I've seen leftists like earnestly being like it's I can see wrong that on the other side, but yeah, yeah, like like it's just like it's well, it's such a funny. I think it goes both thing. ways. You yeah, cut, yeah, you bridge across the aisle for common goals, yeah, horseshoe yeah. theory, and it's just the horseshoe is just a weird cock. It's kind <laughs> of like distrust in government. Both yeah. sides do it. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, I think there's a film that has a little bit of distrust in government and politics and religion and uh, wow. uh you what know movie is this uh it, it, it's the godfather part three oh uh, this is the one that sucks yeah, right right this is the one that fucking sucks yeah i'm kidding i'm kidding because that yeah. girl's in it uh, that's, yeah. that's too many that, too many that girl scenes bitch <laughs> it's so funny that that is the reason why everyone hates this movie. Like when I was a kid, it was to- it was numero uno. Reason- really? Yeah, I hated really? it. Wow. All right. So wait, I, I I saw the new cut, so I'm not familiar with the original. Is like is is that the is that pretty much the only reason people say it's bad is Sophia or I, I mean I so. Th- this is my first time seeing it since like fifth grade. Okay, yeah. So and and I only watched the original cut. I was planning on I'm going to watch the new cut, but I I didn't get to watch it before we recorded this. Um, she is the main reason, but I I think the story as a whole just does not work for some people. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I I think just like I don't know. I could see like with how easy it is to misinterpret like the first two and just be like, oh, Dons have swag. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's a lot harder to do that. Like on a mass, like a mass appeal level, I just feel like, like what Rob is saying, it's like drier. It's like church bullshit. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
I, and, yeah. and it makes sense because it's that moving into the new era, like moving into like fucking global capitalism. Yeah, well, no, it's, it's like, about yeah. like neoliberalism. Yeah, it's I, insane that that's what The Godfather Three is about. But that also <laughs> makes sense with the the turning of the tides, you know, the uh, the new age that's approaching. But also, I will say, Rob, the new cut. Uh, a lot of trimming down of the scenes with Sofia Coppola oh, from what really? I've read. Yeah. Her, her arc is still the same, you know, but the scenes are more trimmed down. And that's why for me, she was not a problem no, at yeah. all. I feel no. like I, I actually really liked her performance because it was, I think all of the performances in this are so different than the first two movies, even the actors who carry over, especially Al Pacino, of course. Mm. As we said in last week's episode, this is like a 90s Al Pacino performance, you know? And I think that that is what people... Uh, I hate to say it this way, but the, the conservative, the reactionary take on this is... It's not the Godfather I knew. Yeah. I wanted yeah. to go back yeah. to the old way yeah. with the masterful new Hollywood acting, the stylings of Pacino and De Niro in the seventies. I don't want this weird, like almost mumblecore daughter, uh, <laughs> or or they probably didn't want Pacino semi spazzing either. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I get that. I get that from like it's tradition. Yeah, but yeah. like uh, also, I hate to say it from tradition whole things about family enterprises and how sometimes that can be a failure too. And I will say Coppola, while she didn't hold it back for me, I don't think she's like a great performance or anything like that, but it is something that exists in these family enterprises is you're going to stick your daughter in the movie and you're (laughs) going to give your son a good job, even if he doesn't deserve it and he might be a fail son or whatever, you know? Uh, Well, back to what you were saying about uh, Pacino's performance in Godfather 3. While I agree it is very much 90s Pacino, it's still... He's still doing Michael Corleone. He's not. Yeah. He's not blowing up. It's not a up. new character. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the, the only thing really that's different is the voice is... He's all here. He's, he's down there, you know? Um, which is not like in the first two. Yeah. Um, in the new cut... Uh, I don't want to spoil because uh, I know there are people that have not seen Godfather 3. Um, but at the end, uh, Sophia's final scene is her last line, Dad. Yeah, still. okay. Yeah. Okay, because that when I was a kid, even as a little fifth grader, I was like, what is that? Oh, like, that breaks my heart. That is yeah. just, that is so stupid. No, no that I, absolutely I, breaks my heart. Like, I, what, I get, I get why can't, it sounds like she's still going to be like, why can't I fuck my cousin? Yeah. Like, no, like, that's still so, what these women, even, even toward the end. That's like the most expressive and almost like operatic, like death in almost any of the movies, which is kind of hilarious because people hate that character so yeah. much. Yeah. But she gets blown out by that rifle, just a fucking hole in her stomach pretty much. And she stands still for like eight or nine seconds before uh, she even notices. It's really, it's Michael who notices the wound. And then she looks down and says, dad, before she collapses, you know, it's like, I don't know, like the Shaw Brothers movies where the guy gets, you know, stabbed to death with a sword and he just kind of stands there while blood gushes out for a few seconds before he falls over. The only difference is it's the Godfather. It's not Shaw Brothers. (laughs) I know, I know. No, no, I wasn't saying the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the difference, the the productivity of that is that it's moving on into new stylistic places and it's more in conversation even with opera as it literally the third play the third act intercutting is centered around an opera performance like i I feel like it leans into that fully operatic mode in the third act so well and using those steps 
as the opera stage for this family uh, is such a powerful gesture to end this trilogy to me. I, I, I will say, like, I like the kind of like, you know, the operatic idea of, you know, her death. And that. I think most of it is good. I do think just the one dad line read is just like, does kind of take me out of yeah. it. Yeah. Like, I just, I just don't think, and I really don't have an issue with her acting in any other part of the movie. Like, it's just this one dad just felt a little off. I get what you're saying, but I feel like also I would have gotten that the same if she didn't say dad. Yeah. But it also, it's literally like two seconds in the movie. Who yeah. cares? Um, it being called the death of Michael Corleone. Yeah. The new cut, like the title of it is ironic, especially because it's kind of about his spiritual birth and like a path to redemption uh, and the death of all these people around him. Uh, and it's so sad in that sense. And it's about him like bailing out the Catholic church <laughs> and through that acquiring a like monolithic European corporation that he's going to turn into a conglomerate in, in order to <laughs> not just, he's already Hell transitioned yeah. the family into full legitimacy, but now transitioning them into neoliberal globalist uh, <laughs> economic <laughs> status. And uh, he's just taken it into, even though this is supposed to take place in the seventies, it being produced in the nineties is really telling about what this film sees as the future of people who have a shit ton of money, you know? Mm. <laughs> no, yeah, because I, I, I like I think I said in the the previous episode where we talk about one and two that I feel like two ends on a very conclusive note, and I was wondering where it was going to go, and I think it does kind of uh, explore the one thing that is, is explored in the other two movies, but really takes a deep dive of like, yeah, of like uh, him being just like a, a pure businessman and like yeah people are always saying like oh this is the family business you know throughout the first <laughs> movies to where yeah he's literally he's like he's in the time of bill clinton he's he's yeah. literally being a, a globalist and maybe that's maybe people are like hey i like bill clinton what are they trying to say <laughs> about you know i, I what the hell yeah. hey <laughs> just leaving <laughs> the movies in 1990 yeah. personally i like bill clinton <laughs> yeah. bill's a real don come on he is a don <laughs> Don Clinton. Don Clinton. <laughs> no, but I mean the 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 out of timeness of the film is very strange though in yeah. terms of like the culture around it and like the you know uh I don't want to say birth but the the bequeathing of the popehood. Yeah. <laughs> the the new pope arising. Like I, I feel like Coppola is very attuned to history, but at the same time bending it to use this like flashback to 20 years from when he's making this film uh it, it's a very interesting sense of time in this film for sure and also it's kind of structured like the first one where you at least in this new version uh after his initial meeting the very first lines of the film are don corleone we need your help uh and it's the kind of liaison for the vatican that uh, works with michael throughout the film asking him for this, you know, $600 million endowment for the church. <laughs> uh, and then after that, you get a party where people are in line to see the dawn for half an hour, you know. Uh, and then it builds to a masterful demonstration of intercutting uh, with, like, operatic tradition and spirituality with gruesome violence and betrayal. Uh, and yeah, I, I really love this movie. Maybe the, the original cut has more flaws and he really did put it into shape. But as I saw it, this is a really great film. I, I loved it. I mean, it, 
it's possible it doesn't have many yeah, more flaws. It, it, I could he just was just love, going ham on the cut. Yeah, it, it could be that, or I could just love The Godfather 3 and I, this version of it. Honest, is just also and cool. honestly, like, I haven't watched the new cut. Yeah. But you probably just love Godfather. It's not like he made a new movie. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I did not like Godfather Three when I first saw it. I was in fifth grade, but I did not like it. Watching it now as as a twenty three year old who's uh, much cooler. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was great. I I was struck by how much I liked it. Um, some of the best cinematography. Of the entire franchise, I, I was blown the fuck away. By Absolutely, it. yeah. Um, yeah. I still don't care for Sofia Coppola in it, but I, <laughs> I like that she's in it. And her arc being about incest fully yeah. plays into what I just said about yeah. her character, her yeah. casting being part of it, being keeping it in the family. You know? <laughs> yeah, uh, like in these family enterprises and their flaws. You know, uh, and I also I. I really love her arc. Maybe her performance isn't like great or whatever. I love that arc of like mm-hmm. the uh, upcoming Dawn just wanting to fuck his cousin. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, well, hilarious. You know, he doesn't yeah. know that he's going to be the Dawn from the start, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But still, what's also interesting is um, in, in that new uh, Copla interview that just dropped, um, when he the way he puts like the character of Mary. It makes it sound more normal than how I feel it comes uh, comes off on screen. Where he's okay. like, he's like, this is just a girl who had a crush on her cousin. Yeah, which is like on paper, that's not that weird. Yeah, and also the way the relationship care plays out is what throws people off. Yeah. And it's like, they're fucking like, yeah. they also, are yeah. full on I, fucking. I guess we're watching none in rope hell. So we don't, we're not really affected by stuff. Sorry. I'm a little bit too much of a prude for yeah. the extended clip after hours. Yeah. <laughs> just a mere hint at incestual kissy kissy. Is not really, uh, yeah. doesn't really stroke my feather. The way that, is, that, is that a phrase? <laughs> Stroking I like a feather? I like it. Tickle yeah. your ass with a feather. That's, exactly. a, that's a phrase. That's where I'm going with it. Um, but also, her character, like, her confusion, she is... She, is she... She's, like, a young adult, right? Is she no, like, she's, like, she's 17. She's 17? Okay. I thought she was, like, 18 or 19, but she's 17, so that makes even more sense because... She is a developing, almost young Maybe adult. Maybe sixteen. Like, she okay, might, she might even be younger. So let's say she's a teen. Yeah, and she is, of course, attracted to her cousin. Lives in this crazy insular world of her family, and has also been given the responsibility of chairing a five hundred million dollar organization, foundation type thing. You know, and like she also has the weight of this family history on her, and she's also an awkward teenager. And it's like all of that makes sense with her character again i understand why people were a bit put off by her performance but it's definitely over hated i think that like i mean it just to me the incest element of it speaks to like a larger like empire in decline and just sort of how like the the first two are so tied together and this is sort of like i mean something of a reconciliation with the first two but just like so i i don't know like so set on commenting on like how how all this could possibly end because there's a lot of ambiguity in the ending of the first two but this is like has such finality to it um that i think shit i lost where i was going with um no but 
Fallen Empire or something. Yeah, Fallen Empire. I mean, it's just like in your in Europe how like ultimately the end of kings and queens would be like disgusting incestuous families yeah. that yeah. were rife with disease and it like seems fitting that like with Michael Corleone his own daughter would want to want to slip it in yeah, with I, their cousin. <laughs> I I like yeah, I like I kind of like that like the last Corleones is like one's wants to be an opera singer. The other's obsessed with, you know, her cousin. It is like, it does really hammer. He's gay, by the way. I mean, it's yeah. implied he's he's gay. I get, I, it doesn't really matter to the story no. of the plot. Well, it, it <laughs> does, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see sexuality, yeah, so yeah. I didn't even well, notice. Well, that's, I don't why fuck do you think guys. Why another son? <laughs> why do you think in two? I wouldn't know about two, that. Two, he was upset because he, want, he wanted another male. Uh, he, yeah. he, was like, he was like, he was so like this kid. I, well, some, some, was... some, you could just tell. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wow! No. Uh, but it, it is even like, more damning of the the toxic masculinity and homophobia of their culture. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, the Italians, we'll not me. Um, fuck, I had a valid. No, point Malcolm before. was going on something. Though. Yeah, no, but, but like it's also like there's a lot of examination here of also like I feel like the impact of the Godfather itself yeah. with especially the Joe Mantenega character. Who is uh, also it is also funny to tie in you know the neoliberalism capitalism all that stuff like Joe Mantenega essentially a middle manager and whenever yeah. he's brought up Pacino's like that guy's nothing like he's <laughs> nothing like don't worry about it which is I don't know just very funny when it you know What's running it like Joey it was, Zaza Joey, Joey Zaza, Zaza. <laughs> yeah. For, first of all every time I hear him I would just hear Fat Tony from the, from yeah. the Simpsons yeah. it was yeah. it was very it's, and um, either that or him in a David Mamet movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, and I love how the Zaza character is like obsessed with like um, Italian representation. And, yeah. Like, how like the mob makes like Italians look bad and like Hilarious. and how Coppola essentially paints him as like a fool. Like, well, you know, it definitely like, has that self-referentiality to it. I mean, in the party in the beginning, the band, the orchestra, rather, because I was thinking about that scene where Frankie in the second one is telling the band to go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, as the camera pans across this band, the band starts playing the fucking Godfather theme. Like the band <laughs> at that ceremony plays the Godfather theme. Like it's clearly not in a, not quite in a world where the Godfather movie exists. Yeah. But in a world where the gods of that world are aware of the movie. Yeah. You know, it's like slightly. In uh, slightly tinged with self-referentiality in a really interesting way, and it's also just the classic like third-generation immigrant. It's like, you know, I'm not really listening to my parents as much. Like I don't yeah. necessarily have to share their dreams for me because we're financially secure and all that stuff. And they, you know, that's maybe the empire declines because the heat's not under not under their bellies anymore. They lost that hustle mindset. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you can't you can't lose the hustle mindset. <laughs> uh, really quick, and another thing weird weird about the incest thing, which obviously it's weird in and of itself, but the way Michael addresses it <laughs> to both of them is like not like you, uh, you would assume a normal parent would be like why are you fucking your cousin? He's like, it's dangerous. Like, <laughs> it's like, which is like, he says the word dangerous multiple like, times, multiple times yeah. in reference. Like, that's a weird way. Of he says putting it to it. K too. Cause yeah. K is almost like, okay with it. And he's like, K it's dangerous. I'm not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Also to be fair, to be fair from like a historical <laughs> standpoint, I think incest was more like, uh, so like, 
distant incest, but it was more socially accepted. Like yeah. Roosevelt, I mean, like FDR married his cousin. Yeah. The movie takes place in the seventies. Kay is kind of like a progressive lib, so she's totally for incest liberation. Also, yeah, literally, was it? She F- literally married a millionaire monster. Yeah, <laughs> not a lib, just but, the uh, biggest wasp of all time. Yeah, she no, is. she's definitely for integrating them into you know white culture, whether it's yeah. progressive culture. <laughs> I mean, I think it's also just like I think. Maybe I'm reaching for something here, but it's like the Corleone family is like so disgustingly insular and stuff like that, that it makes sense that the product of the third generation is like, you know, who else can I really look to for a partner besides someone, you know, involved in the mafia activity itself? Or, you know, you have uh, the son, the opera singer son going in the opposite direction. You know, I don't want anything to do with that. (laughs) (laughs) I also love, I mean, to talk about Kay. Uh, Diane Keaton, this is the highest she's billed in any Godfather movie. I'm not sure if the billing has changed, but in the new cut, at least, she's the second credit after Al Pacino. Well, because she's like the, no, the I know. comeback Yeah, but character. still, like, it's it's a weighty role for her. A more weighty yeah. role than the first two parts combined, really. Which is upsetting, because I think it's her weakest of, really? the, of the three, I do. I thought Diane Keaton was really good in no, this. Yeah, so. I, I really liked her in this. I mean, that first exchange that they have when she's just looking at the pictures of like the history of the franchise, basically at that ceremony yeah. and you just hear hello K and Pacino is hunched over like a vamp, just like <laughs> yeah. fucking uh, half dead already. Uh, and their, their exchanges are wonderful there. I, I, I really love Diane Keaton's. I, do, I don't think it was bad. I, I, but I do think it was the weakest. Re- of okay. The three, yeah. Okay. Mm, I guess I, I can't really differentiate them in my mind. I think like she that. like Pacino is playing more like her nineties style, which is yeah. more loose and open kind of, yeah. uh, both of those actors kind of went for more of a loose style after that. And, uh, I I think it works really well for her, but hey, maybe I'm just a Diane Keaton. Fan. Well, well, <laughs> well, you know what? What it also could be for me is there are certain moments where it was clear that like the the sound was recorded after the fact. Yeah, a lot of post dubbing, but hey, that's Italian, baby. <laughs> sure, uh, uh, uh. not actually, but yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> Damn, I didn't movie. notice that. I didn't notice that. Uh, it was, a fair it was amount of dubbing. Yeah, yeah, and it was kind of noticeable for me, and that kind of maybe made made me feel like oh, it's not quite the performance that it is in one mm. two so at this uh at this ceremony we have this confrontation between joey zaza and uh vinny who is the the nephew he's the he's the son of sonny and uh his bastard son he's the bastard son of sonny rather and joey zaza what what does joey zaza want to do he wants to get rid of the people associated with hyman roth yeah He's very, it's, to be honest, that confused me. <laughs> but yeah, there's something to do with like Hyman Roth. Someone that Hyman, yeah, someone that Hyman Roth or like. Look, there's some disrespect for, in terms uh, of the Jewish he's community. He's going around saying, fuck Michael Corleone. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so Michael Corleone, just because, you know, he thought he was in, of course, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or he thought he was out, rather. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he. He can't have people running around the old neighborhood saying, fuck Michael Corleone, even if he's a legitimate businessman now, you know? Uh, so he takes Vinny under his wing, and he's like, all right, you know, we'll, we'll do this. But it's so sad that the moment he does say the famous line, uh, he's then freaking out, and he then has a diabetic stroke after deciding to go back into the life of crime for, you know, a last job to help out the family. And it's just so depressing to see that played in that great 
uh, wide shot of seeing the whole kitchen and uh, the whole family rushing over to him as he collapses. It's so tragic. Yeah. I feel what's interesting about this, I feel like there's a lot of more tone variation than there is in the first two ones. Because like, there are scenes like that that are very like sad. Another scene, I, I think... Uh, you know, when Keaton and Pacino are, are talking about, you know, how they still kind of love each other. But then you, there's also a lot of kind of, uh, I don't know, like goofiness and not necessarily similar to the Brando type goofiness, but just like like Andy Garcia killing uh, Joey Zaza in like a cop uniform yeah. and stuff like that. And just there's other small touches like like our Keaton and Pacino going to that puppet show that like like uh, addresses what's going on in the movie. <laughs> Hilarious. It, it's very like those those you know brief kind of light touches i don't know just kind of it makes it more interesting for me. yeah and i feel like it's always from a very like grand perspective yeah, of storytelling yeah. too it's always kind of fitting it into the big picture and there are these little escapades off to the side that are like always rewarding in a in a smaller way that always adds up kind of because this movie does have so many threads running through it mm-hmm. it has the money with the politicians and the vatican and you know the uh, bureaucracy involved with uh, Michael trying to go globalist conglomerate mode, and then you also have the tension of the the new heir in training and uh, Michael's daughter having this incestuous relationship, and his reconciliation with Kay as well, and his spiritual reconciliation. <laughs> you of course have his first uh, his first confession in however many decades, which is. Just a heartbreaking scene. Oh, yeah. It's shot so beautifully where it's like you're looking, like you're just sort of peering in, watching it happen. And I think that, like, I mean, in that scene, I think they get at more of, like, I don't know. I like that this one, I mean, throughout, it's, like, pretty obvious, like, where he talks about, like, trying to achieve legitimacy for the family, that, like, that's a fool's errand Mm -hmm. and it's not really possible. But I think this one really bursts that bubble and like I think during the confession you might there I wrote down the line, the higher I go, the crookeder I become and mm-hmm. I think that's there. And I like that him I mean, with going at the globalist angle, it's like, yeah, that's exactly how things are. It's not like he's ever gonna like reach a certain level of wealth and success where he's not going to be corrupt. Absolutely. There's even a line where Kay says to him that she preferred him when he was just like a a, a classic mobster thug. She doesn't yeah. like this composed, like legitimate Michael Corleone. Ladies yeah. love a bad boy. They yeah, don't like exactly. a business. There's man. so much like like stilted, almost like pointed dialogue like that, uh, though, like about, you know, finance or like, poli- like there's the one line, finance is a gun, politics is knowing when to pull the trigger. Yeah. <laughs> and like there's all this stuff about these maneuverings that are being talked about in such like broad ways. Again, almost like operatic, just like talking the themes out in dialogue rather than progressing plot. And I feel like it is just like, and I've kind of disparaged the approach of like thematics, you know, talking about themes and stuff like that. But I really do think that all of the dialogue here is always contributing to some idea rather than moving plot forward. Mm -hmm. And then it's more of the intercutting and the montage uh, that's able to move the story forward with that momentum, especially as we go into this third act and we have the prevention of a hit on Michael uh, with some other maneuverings going on at this opera house uh, leading up to the death of his daughter. Just a masterful, almost De Palma-like set piece. 
Yeah, and I think it's interesting where it kind of everything ends up. Like I think he said earlier in the episode how, uh, you know, they go towards the steps, steps and have an opera of their own because, like, I was kind of I, – I was afraid going into the scene that we we're going to get, like, that generic, like, final high note opera and then Corleone gets killed and stuff like that. And I think it's yeah. very smart in how it kind of, uh, uh, you know, pivots against that. And also I feel like, you know, to tie back the pre-scene and this scene, it's like – what you're saying about like dialogue being very uh, explicit or talking about thematics. It's like, I like the way that confession scene ends with the priest is like, your sins are very great. And like, you will probably have to suffer for them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and like, I, I think that's kind of like the final, final note yeah. of this movie is not, not even Corleone dying himself, but just, uh, you know, well, cause he does it. We just see yeah. him sitting out there yeah. in that courtyard, you know, Wait, in the new cut, they don't have him die? No. no. Oh. oh, we didn't talk about this. Okay. Yeah. So, does he he dies in part three? We don't... It's called the so, death of Corleone, so, and he doesn't so, die. So, in, in, in part three... I'll walk you through the ending if you want. Well, it's... No, no. It's the same shot. It's going to be the same shot. That right? wide shot of him in the courtyard. With the dog. Yeah, and then you get a shot, just a close-up of his face, and then fade to black. Ah, see in in the other cut, yeah, that close up's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's there with with the dog, collapses over. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, you, you death of Michael that. Corleone. You don't see that, which I think wow. I had read beforehand. Yeah, which is why, probably why he calls it that. Yeah, and also it's like, is the death of Michael Corleone just the death of his daughter? No, yeah, I think. I mean, I think you know, just judging off this one viewing, I feel like maybe through the recut. Coppola found more thematic thread to pull at because yeah. it was like I feel like the note of him just him you know yeah. his inner workings dying his soul dying yeah. basically yeah. is that's you know that's the real death of Mikey yeah. also just all the stuff in the Vatican is so beautiful the way Coppola approaches all of that architecture and the interiors as well uh, and just like the red carpets that are laid down uh, in that ceremony of choosing the new Pope oh my god that wide shot of just like that red yeah. <laughs> just drenching it's the, the it's the most colorful of all the movies for sure oh yeah i mean it still has those classic browns mm-hmm. and like golds but <sighs> Ooh, um <laughs> that was a big one mainly in the u.s stuff and also yeah, the yeah. new york stuff it has a it has the one shot or the one scene rather at like looking like san gennaro feast i think uh in little italy but yeah. other than that all the New York stuff is like showing skyscrapers and like a new version of New York rather than just on the streets of little Italy, like the first two. Uh, Also, yeah, all the stuff in Europe is great. I love how it can cut from the interiors that have been there for hundreds of years. uh, And like to uh, just like cars from the seventies driving around outside (laughs) and just like that flash of modernity can mean so much in a film like this. Uh, and yeah, I, I just love that push and pull of, you know, the past and the future reckoning with each other and Pacino's decline in the back half of this film. Uh, and also I'll say it again. I love the tension between the cousins, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that's a, it's a really fun subplot to have in this film. (laughs) I mean, I, I essentially agree. I never really had a problem with it and maybe i just kind of read it as like i don't know this is a, a strange family so it makes sense that yeah some cousins start hooking up <laughs> start branching out i mean some of the sh- like the shot of uh tomasino uh their associate getting 
whacked in the street oh. like uh in italy is just so beautiful like a master shot that could be in the first two you know uh, uh like especially I mean, the it, stuff it of, looks like, it it, it kind of mirrors uh uh when uh the take the gun leave the or yeah, yeah leave the gun take the cannoli yeah, yeah that shot with the statue of liberty in the it looks very similar to that. Absolutely. And all of like the old country imagery that you can see in the parts yeah. of Europe where it's not modernized where this takes place. Uh it totally rings true to the the flashbacks and like the the second one, you know, the end of De Niro's arc there especially. Uh lots of familiar images that just ring true to those like memories of violence that shape the lives of these characters. I like I mean, this is something like that we briefly touched upon like earlier with about like it being called the death of Michael Corleone, the new one. And it just like the death happening off screen. Now I love how his like physical decline and death is just sort of a whimper. I mean, you get the big operatic, like melodramatic climax there, but just him slowly getting sicker and sicker throughout is just like, I don't know, it's so sad and pathetic, like watching a man who is so powerful just sort of wither away to, again, like the second one, just ending alone. Yeah. It's uh, very bleak. It is. Any any final thoughts on this one, Malcolm? Um, yeah. Godfather 3, you know, I think we, we did a good service to it here today. We proved a lot of haters wrong. You know, the movie's good. Um, when have the haters ever been right? <laughs> that's what I'm saying, man. Uh, that's when what they're I'm me. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah, that's Rob. True. Yeah, I don't even know what to say about that. But uh, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. I don't really. I think I've said all of it. It's a good movie. Okay, Rob. Any any closing thoughts on not just this week's pod, but our, our session here tonight? Um, good movie. I'm I'm really glad to. I, I revisited it. Um, looking forward to watching the new cut. Uh, good Michael Corleone orange juice chug. Oh, great! <laughs> that, that was very. I I I was very happy. I was like, <laughs> yeah, slug it, slug it, slug it. Um, Hell yeah, the chug, the chug. Um, yeah, uh, great episode. Love talking to you boys as always. Uh, yeah. Nice. All right. Well, we loved having you on. And uh, I asked JT his thoughts. I I said my piece. Oh, you I've, said I've, I've, I've yeah. said enough. Okay. I looked at him. It's right. it's better to burn out than fade away. JT. Oh. Uh, JT and I communicate exclusively in glances. <laughs> That's kind of hot. Yeah. Godfather three. You know why they called it that? Three times the fun. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> Godfather times three. Yeah. That's why they call it. Yeah. Uh, and I can't wait for Tim Heidecker and G four. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's an old one. That's so old. Uh, whatever. I'm gonna end this. But 